Welcome to the Marxist Think Tank podcast, an attempt to look at the world from a class-conscious perspective and to build. It's 10 past nine on the 13th of May, 2022. Good evening. Good morning. Hello, everyone. Hello, Jen. Hello. All right. So this week we are going to be talking about the food crisis, global food crisis. Uh, that is coming, that is here. Temperature in India, it's very hot in India. There's a, a climate uh, sort of iteration of the climate crisis with extreme temperatures in India. North Korea has reported its first COVID case. Ukraine, we're going to give an update on the Ukraine situation, the front line update, a map detailing what's going on in Luhansk specifically. We've got a great map from um, Defense Politics Asia. And also we're going to talk about Snake Island, the recent assault on Snake Island and what happened there. A Palestinian journalist, a prominent Palestinian journalist who worked for Al Jazeera has been killed um, in Palestine. We'll be talking about this. Then moving on to some diplomatic news, Sweden and Finland are potentially going to join NATO. There were lots of meetings this week uh, between Assad and Iran, uh, Macron and Xi, Macron and Putin, if not meetings, phone calls, uh, but lots of diplomatic stuff going on and also a statement from the Mexican president um, asking that Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, Venezuela be allowed to join the organization of the, U, of the Americas, the Union of the Americas, um, and we'll be talking about that too. So um, I think the first thing we're going to talk about is the food crisis, so a global food crisis that the uh, World Food yeah. Organization, World Food Program has said, basically the UN. Yeah, the United Nations uh, stated that... Uh... I mean, it's quite uh, obvious we've been talking about that uh, on the show uh, for uh, quite a while now, right? Mm. The, uh, you know, uh, Russia and Ukraine being the two largest uh, exporters of uh, wheat and corn. Um, well, you see, this uh, situation is compounded uh, by the uh, situation in India. India, uh, uh, the past few weeks, is the... Uh, in general, oh, hello, Jen. Ah, Sorry, okay. I lost you a moment. Oh, yeah. I think. Um, I yeah, I don't understand. It's probably something with the uh, electricity in my neighborhood. It's been quite uh, unstable, so it's not something I can help. Okay, uh, I can was see that, the street it was, being uh, strange. Um, was that your so end? Though, the, uh, as, as, as I was saying. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is uh, this is uh, unfortunate. Uh, so as I was uh, saying, uh, the. Uh, we have a situation on our hands where uh, India is, in fact, the third largest exporter of wheat uh, mm -hmm. as well, which uh, this kind of brings in problems because the temperature in India has broken uh, records of uh, all times. It's simply the highest temperature it has ever been, uh, ever since there were recordings uh, of mm. temperature. Uh, right. Right. Uh, so... It has uh, went beyond the 45 degrees Celsius, and uh, which would be 120 plus uh, 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 degrees Fahrenheit for the American audience. Yes, um, 120. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like schools mm -hmm. in India has been dismissed just for children mm -hmm. to uh, seek uh, shelters to uh, 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 stay cool. Right, uh, right, right, right. The, the, right. The, uh, to not die from stroke. That's how bad it is. Yeah. And since, sure. like, right now is the time of the year where uh, it's right before harvest or is about to, uh, is in harvest, depending on where you are in the world, right? Right. If the right. temperature of this is this hot, then it's simply going to destroy uh, harvest mm. Uh, mm. this year. Yeah. Which, you know, this is just absolutely terrible beyond imagination, you know. The first, second, and the third largest exporter of wheat has uh, is now very likely to unable to export not even a single grain of food. Mm. 
And we also have you know, uh, the uh, uh, fertilizer crisis around the world and also oil, uh, mm. oil gas prices uh, uh, mm. rising, which means that any kind of mechanized farming that's not done like by hand and animal labor uh, mm. is also mm. going to be going up along with all transportation right. costs. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's it's just, uh, yeah, we are entering right. essentially uh, a vicious cycle of scarcity. Right. I mean, I think the things of, yeah, you've already mentioned the, the temperatures, right? So it's a record. It was 51 degrees Celsius in uh, Rajasthan, 123 degrees Fahrenheit if you're American. Um, it was the second day in a row the town experienced these kinds of temperatures. But if you look at the map here, if, if you can see, I assume you can see that there, Jen. Um, across the country, you got a 36, 37, yeah, yeah, uh, 97 if you're, if you're American. Um, these are all super hot. And I don't even know, I guess they're not even measuring up here on the border with Pakistan. It seems to be even hotter over there. But um, I think that the, the other thing to add to this is that there already is a drought in India. So there's a drought crisis. And if you look at some of these images yeah. from, from CNN here, um, you know, it's not looking good at all. And cattle... Uh, dried up rivers. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, countries yeah. like Sri Lanka is already uh, right south of India, right? That little island south of India, Sri Lanka, mm. is already, mm. uh, as we've mentioned before, economic crisis, food crisis, oil crisis, etc., etc., etc. And yeah. you know, this is yeah. only going to happen more and more as, we, yeah. uh, as yeah. time goes yeah. on. And, and, right, and, and this people will die from this. Um, I mean, so. A heat yes. wave in 2015, more than 2,500 people died during that summer. So I, I think yeah. that this will probably lead to a higher death rate, um, which is yes. which really, really terrible. But yeah, um, just, just to go on the global food thing, I think uh, just to give the statistic, 193 million people are currently facing acute food insecurity um, and require urgent life-saving food assistance. So that's from the UN, right? Um, yeah, just wanted to add that in. The 53 countries are in some form of food insecurity or perhaps at crisis levels um yeah this is pretty pretty grim and i think also <clears throat> as you mentioned this is not with the fact that the ukrainian like conflict has had the effect yes. that it will have on the food market yes. so the global food market has not felt the full effect of that so those grain exports the fertilizer export, as you already mentioned that's not even taken effect yet so we're already further, you know, uh, countries. So, like today's episode, essentially, we'll explain, you know, like the world has shown us in real time how the relation between what Marx talked about foundation, material foundation, and uh, conceptual superstructure, uh, uh, how that uh, works essentially. So, mm. uh, as we keep going to foundation, you know, food is uh in trouble uh, water as you said there are droughts uh, all uh, and the floods all over the world right a few weeks ago was the flood in south africa that killed many uh right and then uh, energy is you know in crisis as uh, with oil so with food water energy those three fundamental things uh in crisis then uh, the economy itself of course is also going to be in crisis right so the uh, United States, uh, the Federal Reserve, of the United States is, um, yeah, uh, the uh, increasing uh, its uh, uh, interest uh, uh, once again to try to combat uh, uh, inflation, which uh, was uh, of a record high, right? And the first quarter of the U.S. Uh, economy was in decline for the first time in however many years, as we were talking mm. about. Mm. Uh, uh, just as you know, uh, uh, the you know a country that's closely tied to it, uh, UK, uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, you know, whilst the mm. uh, uh, essentially uh, in the uh, elections, uh, the uh, pro independence party for uh, Scotland has become elected in has become the largest uh, uh, party in the region. Uh, well, the inflation in the United Kingdom has also reached 10%, as we can see. So, yeah, yeah. this is, yeah. Uh, it's not good. The crisis of uh, finance mm -hmm. capital-centric uh, you know, global imperialism is just mm -hmm. uh, uh, in full effect, right? Um, yes, yeah. yeah. In the UK, and you're telling me that food uh, and the uh, rent and uh, utility prices are also going up so much so that they have to move uh, to uh, uh, like another uh, more affordable region to live uh, recently. But yeah, uh, right. so um, uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I, I mean, so I'm just going to add the statistics here. So you already said 10%, right? So the Bank of England, the central bank or the federal bank of the UK uh, is expecting that it will hit 10% by the end of 2022. So we're not quite there yet, but it's expected. Um, and also that the UK is heading for um, a recession. So in the US, you already have that being widely like circulated that recession in the US is coming. Reuters, we already mentioned this many times, Reuters did a poll of prominent economists and said the US is heading for recession most likely. Um, and this is the same for the UK, it seems. So it's a global a global phenomenon. So the yeah. recession thing, that's two different, two large economies, that's the US and the UK now, potentially heading for recession. Um, and also high inflation. So yeah, the high inflation is, is everywhere, right? So it's also in Europe. Yes. Um, the US, as we've mentioned many times. Um, again, I think what I want to say to this one is, yeah. I think this one is a bit yeah. more tied to the conflict um, right now. The price of oil yes. uh, has gone up. Yes. So that does have a direct impact on food prices. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to see here. Let's see. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but this is the this is another thing to say here. So this was said by Andrew Goodwin, right? The chief UK economist with Oxford Economics. He says the UK probably has more inflationary pain to come than most other countries because the impact of the post-Russian invasion is yet to filter through to consumer prices. So this is a 10% um, inflation without actual the actual effect of yes. oil conflict on prices so it will be higher whatever like 15 percent 12 percent i don't know i mean you're talking about very high very high for modern like developed economies the big economies to hit 10 percent is yeah, very well, so yeah. there are a few uh things on that mainly is that um you know even the chinese economy is struggling and why i bring up china is that um you know, inflation means there is too much currency, but uh, not enough goods, right, mm -hmm. uh, in the market. So that there, uh, where it used to be three dollars for uh, a, a piece of item, now it's six dollars, right? Mm -hmm. That's inflation. Mm -hmm. Also, where does goods uh, come from? Where does commodity production mm -hmm. of the world uh, come from? Well, it comes from China, right? But the China is, you know, uh, 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 under lockdown and uh, trying to do all of these things to uh, mm. stamp out uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, COVID uh, to adhere to zero COVID because COVID really is the um, spark that uh, has yes. uh, lit up the powder keg of this globalized uh, finance-centric uh, commodity economy, right? Yeah. And so, of course, if you don't have, uh, you know, the goods coming out of China to you know one for one match the amount of money you have flowing around in your market then uh well that's yeah like that's inflation right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. definitely I, I i think um what i wanted to say to this what i want to add to this is we've already said that the russian conflict the ukraine conflict has not added to the inflation and then secondly you're talking about COVID. so the reason we have this inflation is because of yeah. um because of, of COVID. So it's a, in, in, I mean, in classical sort of textbook economic economics, you have two reasons for inflation, right? Cost pull and demand, uh, cost push and demand pull. So just on a sort of, you know, on that level, hmm. we're talking about cost push. So the cost of production has gone up because of COVID. So people have to put masks on and pay for like more, more staff to man testing and do all sorts of stuff. But the other thing that is also not incorporated into this 10% inflation rate is the fact that, as you said, Chinese production is like fundamental to global prices. So how um, you know what's happening in China will affect the cost of production, the cost of, of, of prices. So it will affect prices. Um, and Shanghai has had this lockdown for like five weeks or six weeks. I don't think that cost has already has been factored into and has, has like, you know, entered into the, um, the market in terms of the goods that got coming to the UK. So yeah, um, again, there's like two factors that have not been factored into like how this inflation right. might actually still get worse globally, not just to the UK, but, but everywhere, Europe and the US too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of uh, COVID, um, since it is the trigger, right, uh, to uh, all of this and it itself packs a lot of severe consequences, to uh, society and individuals, as we've discussed before. Um, 
So uh, as far as Shanghai goes, uh, from what I've heard from my friends uh, and family, is that uh, the uh, lockdown has gradually started to be open, uh, opening up in Shanghai now. Uh, where because the COVID number has been going uh, down to uh, like right now is almost zero. The only reason that the lockdown is still there is that they fear that um, they're concerned that you know since uh, it's spreading, uh, it is possible for it to uh, still spread to uh, all the uh, kind of neighboring regions of China, right? Uh, even though like uh, for China itself, uh, for a few days uh, in a row now. For Shanghai itself, a few days mm-hmm. in a row now, the number has reached zero for most places. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the concerning news is um, that, uh, well, uh, DPRK, uh, uh, North Korea, uh, which has always held a kind of perfect uh, uh, zero COVID record, right, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, well, now it has experienced its uh, mass amounts of uh, fever. And mm-hmm. that is first uh, wave of uh, COVID. Uh, and this is uh, the timing of it, rather, I would say, is uh, tremendously suspicious, which is that, you know, uh, South Korea has just elected an ultra conservative president that is uh, ultra friendly to uh, 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 Japan and the United States. Last week, uh, South Korea has just uh, integrated itself to the electronic digital information command system of uh, NATO, right? And uh, 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 South Korean, uh, uh, the new South Korean uh, is essentially illegitimate regime. South Korea has never been a legitimate regime. Uh, Has called for the uh, stationing of American uh, strategic nuclear submarines and bombers in South Korea as a kind of, both as to protect, like, have, like to use Americans as a uh, hostage, American equipment as hostage, uh, so that when North Korea's new uh, advanced long-range firepower uh, uh, fires at them, uh, they uh, the Americans will have to defend their assets, and therefore, by extension, defend them, uh, right. and also to just be more aggressive and anti-communist uh, 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 against China, DPRK uh, in in general, right. So immediately then we saw this, you know, uh, like essentially days after South Korea has been integrated into NATO uh, uh, information command system. Uh, Not to mention, you know, the long history of CIA and uh, just the West in general uh, conducting biological operations uh, 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 in the DPRK, right? Mm. So there were tales from the Korean War of, um, you know, the mysterious lice and ants and rats seen mm. in like the middle of winter, right? right. Uh, where these creatures naturally don't like to come out because it's cold, you know, just common sense tells you that. And then, uh, you know, uh, there was this uh, very famous case of a Western POW who was caught by the People's Volunteer Army, the Chinese reinforcements uh, to the DPRK, uh, basically denying you know, uh, when uh, our kind of uh, commissars told him that, like, you, your country is conducting biological warfare against us, and then in the middle of winter, as, you know, they were marching the POWs to the POW camps in the rear lines, uh, they saw, like, trails of ants, like, in on the ground in the middle of winter. Um, right. So, like, the guy didn't believe it. He was like, okay, like, I'll prove it to you. He picked the one up and just ate it. The guy had diarrhea for the next three days, 72 hours. Uh, that don't that doesn't happen when you eat an ant in the middle of the winter that doesn't have bi- biological agents in it. And right. uh, well, afterwards, the guy understood that, yes, this is biological uh, warfare and that uh, he, he became a uh, anti-imperialist uh, activist ever since. Um, so Wait, was this, where, where was this? Sorry, was this recently? Uh, during the Korean War. During the okay, I was just just checking. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, well, well, you have a a record of of uh, that, uh, uh, uh-huh. you know, just consistently. Then like, uh, yeah, and especially combined with the timing, we would say that uh, like it's rather suspicious how uh, uh, COVID even ended up in North Korea in the first place to begin with. I mean, it's. Uh, 
I do think that it was inevitably going to come to the country if they hadn't reported any cases, if, if they were fortunate enough to have repelled it for well, so long. they had no traffic with South Korea. The only possible way is if, um, okay, like, being like the same language, same culture, uh, yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. both sides have agents on the other side, right? Well, all you need yeah, to yeah, do yeah. is just, like, get a COVID patient to sneeze in a bottle and then just, like, put it in a room while you're talking to somebody else and then, you know, like there you go like it's yeah i mean the other the only other place i mean you do have the there's cargo trains that are coming so i think recent so the, the country's been closed for two years no, 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 no. because uh, of dprk ever since 2020 uh when covid started uh has confirmed yeah. to uh, ban and just stop uh seize yeah. uh, all kind of port uh, uh, and uh, border activities of ships of trains and of all aircrafts uh just completely. right 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 yeah, so so they, no, they for two years, but I, I mean, I think this, they they do have um, they do have rail, so they did open up rail um, to only cargo rail with China recently. So for the last yes, season, but uh, any time COVID number would be on the rise, they would uh, shut it off. It's happened like three or four times now ever since twenty twenty all the way yeah. till you know today. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. I, I mean, I, I I just hope that they'll be able to they'll be able to contain it, and they can have a robust the system to they should that. be able to do it yeah, yeah. Well, i mean okay. the dprk is a very militant nation who you know has strong organizational discipline and knows how to disinfect things because all you need for that is bleach people you just need electricity and water that's all you need to manufacture bleach mm -hmm. yeah it's not that hard yeah i think at least they've got at least a strong state that can intervene and have like hands-on yeah. approach rather than just uh laissez-faire and just uh, herd immunity and mass death as we've seen elsewhere. But okay, yeah. let, let's talk about, um, so that's Korea and the, the, the coronavirus situation there. Um, I guess we need to move on to Ukraine. We want to talk about the Ukraine update, right? Yes. Um, just remember that. Okay, so yeah. I've got a great resource which, which I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out to, to someone. Um, one second. Yes. Uh, so I, 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 as you know, with this show, we've been covering the Ukraine situation for I don't know, whatever it is, two months now, 75 days since it started. And we've looked at various maps. You know, there's lots of maps you can find online, um, live.au and Institute for War. And they're all okay. Like they're pretty good. But the best one, I, in my opinion, the best source on this is uh, from Defense Politics Asia. So I'm going to show you their map right now. So they have their own YouTube channel. I'm giving them a shout out. Yeah. Um, they have a daily update where they tell you the guy that is from Singapore. I'm in their Discord server. <laughs> and a Discord server and all sorts of stuff. So you have an update from them daily and they have this map which is updated all the time. And you can also, you know, take a look at the war as it's progressed over over time. But I'll give a quick update um because I've been watching all of their stuff um this week and covering and just seeing what they've been talking about, what's happening in the war. So without going into like the minute detail that that channel goes on to, I'll just give you a general thing. So starting from the top here um Kharkov so it's um they like to call it the happy front the happy front for the Ukrainians so uh the Russians have been pulling back um quite quickly I mean some some people have been calling it a route but I don't know if that's correct uh, it's just a way of describing it but they have been pulling back to the border so obviously uh, Belgorod and the Russian border is right here so the Russian force has been pulling back from Kharkov and Ukrainians have been able to push forward I mean just on a, on a comment sort of for this it's the border right here so it's quite smart i think if they force the ukrainians to push all the way to the border and they can leave these troops here the ukrainians then need to advance into russia and then are formally invading russia which changes the narrative a lot for putin and then i assume can actually legally mean that they can use mobilization um so i mean sure they're losing ground on kharkov but I mean, there are only a few kilometers. Uh, I just want to comment that yeah. uh, more Russia can draw the Ukrainian troops out of uh, static positions into maneuver warfare, uh, where the Ukrainian troops also have to like drive vehicles to pursuit yes. or to do anything uh, yeah. or to flank or what have you. Uh, the better yeah. it's going to be for Russia, because yeah. uh, if like think about it, if a guy simply like gets inside a concrete building, shuts all the doors and windows, just stays inside, have a gun point at the only direction that can come in, right? It's very hard 
to uh, 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 deal with that. But if a person has to run out in the field, then all of a sudden it's like extremely convenient for you to yeah. be able to deal yeah, yeah, with yeah. that. Right. And also, I think um, if you're fighting purely defensively in Kharkov, as you said, in dug-in positions with concrete buildings, with bunkers and stuff, I mean, if you just use like the, the, the standard like numbers you need is usually three to one. So if you're trying to take something, you usually have three to one. Yeah. So you have three three soldiers. And American one. kind of wargaming exercises has shown that uh, even like veterans, right, in an offense against uh, uh, like completely inexperienced college students, right, uh, with like just an AK or something, you know, in these kind of complex building scenarios, the ratio of the literally the casualty ratio of wounded and killed is still one to one between like experienced U.S. Marine and uh, airborne versus just like a guy behind a couch with a gun poking <laughs> out yeah. the top. Yeah, yeah, right, uh, right, so, right. Yeah. So, so it, I mean, the Russians are pulling back. I'm, I, I think that from the Western perspective, they'll say this is a great victory. This is a sign of of Russian failure, of Russian this and Russian that. I guess that's how they'll paint it. So I'll move on to the Luhansk front. So um, <clears throat> if you look over here, you've got the border, right? So, oh, one second. This is the, this gray line over here. Oh, one second, just loading. Okay, so you can see that long gray line that goes from the top to the bottom there when, when I'm showing my cursor. I assume, I assume you can see that, right, Jen? Is that clear to you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yes, that's the administrative border of Luhansk. So if you look at uh -huh. Luhansk, almost all of Luhansk is in um lpr and and with russian forces in it so they've taken yeah, yeah. the entire almost the entirety of luhansk is, is, is taken um the Uh, hello? Have we lost Richard? Well, shoot. This is... Uh... Yeah, because, like, uh, well, the, the reason is because uh, Richard is, is uh, lives, uh, lives in China, and uh, in order to do this, he has to use a VPN. And so, you know, uh, the VPN uh, browser uh, server, excuse me, has to uh, uh, refresh every now and then. And therefore, uh, it's just uh, difficult for him as well uh, uh, in, in general. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Richard, are you back? Are you with us? Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's keep going. Oh, yeah. It was actually Firefox. It wasn't the VPN. Just Firefox just completely crashed. So, <laughs> I mean, I do have lots of tabs open, so I, I don't blame Firefox. Nonetheless, I'll, I'll carry on. Where, where did you lose me? <laughs> okay. Just explaining Luhansk, right? Well, uh, you were explaining the uh, how uh, the uh, most of uh, the uh, uh, the the Luhansk administrative line with that railroad is already in uh, DPR, LPR, Russia, Russian forces' hands, and right. then your your thing froze, and I had to check okay. the stream. Okay, I'll, I'll carry on from there then. Well, okay, actually, so... frozen. <laughs> if it was just me, yeah. No, no. Okay, okay, cool. So, yeah, so almost all of Luhansk is in. Uh, Luhansk LPR hands and Russian hands. So the only thing left for that the Ukrainians have is a place called Severodonetsk over here. Um, and they're fighting over this, right? So there's fighting right now over this position. And then there's been like Russians have been, the Russians and LPR forces have been crossing this river like pontoon bridge style. And basically they're fighting over this particular piece of ground here. This is a old mine dump as I understand it. And it's like high mm. ground. And if you take this, you then have like eyes on for artillery and fire support onto this road, yes. the only major road that leads into um, Severodonetsk. So, and, and sorry, and Lu Lushchensk. Excuse my pronunciation. Um, yeah. That's the best I can do. But they are well, almost uh, about. There's a running joke in the American military. Wait, one second. We finished the, the point there. So, is that once they take this, that means there's no supplies coming in. And you can already see the pincer movement sort of coming around, the sort of classic. Um, Soviet doctrine pincer coming around the, the encirclement. Um, the uh -huh. south one is not as like the movement is not as fast, but the certain the north one is 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 there's a lot of pressure. Sorry, go ahead, Jen. What were we going to say? Yeah. Well, uh, there's a running joke in the U.S. military, which is that uh, everything that the Russians make can swim. 
because uh, the Soviet doctrine is built for the European uh, European front from uh, 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 well, okay, European front, but like from Siberia all the way to uh, Western Europe, where there is a lot of rivers and uh, just this kind of like uh, mm. places of uh, water, right? Uh, all its vehicles need to be able to uh, do river crossing at uh, with a minimum preparation. So yeah, this mm -hmm. is um, if you were to use uh, NATO equipment on this front. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like literally look at the map, all the rivers, right? And look how uh, like every single like every few tens of kilometers there's a river of some right. body of water of, of some sorts. Yeah, if you're going to use Western battle tanks, uh, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just just add on this one, these blue icons here for this map. So if you are going to use, look at this map, I do recommend it. I do. This is a great map. These are the guy has literally gone and hand found like by hand, gone on Google images and found entrenchments and emplacements yeah. that were dug by the Ukrainians um, yep. all before February. So there's a, a caveat that this is all imagery before February because Google hasn't released yeah. any imagery. Timeline. Right. So, but bear in mind, look at that. Like it shows you where the, where the Ukrainians dug in. So if you want to yeah. use that kind of reference, you could say like this is kind of like the Ukrainians Maginot line. Like this is their line of deep entrenchments where they hope. And we've them. seen uh, DP, uh, yeah, defense policy we've used here on this show. Even back when we were using the uh, stupid uh, uh, BeLive uh, platform, uh, yeah. Some uh, images uh, that were originally made by uh, Defense Politics Asia. So yeah, uh, yeah, shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then just one more thing then for the Ukraine situation is there was oh my gosh, so much uh, to discuss with this, but we'll have to try and give a summary. So Snake Island, if you Snake remember <laughs> at the start of the conflict, Snake Island was the famous island where you know um, Russian warship go fuck yourself or go to hell. Excuse my my French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Nachman, right? Right, right, so right. So one right. of the few so, curse words that I understand due right, to years so, of uh, video games. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so, this is the island that was taken by the Russians. But apparently, remember the Coast Guard soldiers that were stationed here were murdered by the Russians, and then it actually turned out that they surrendered. But I was already they'd already been given the highest honor of the country. They'd already been given yeah. medal. <laughs> And it was a bit, yes. and the BBC and all of Western media sort of lapped up this story as if it was true. And it turned out the guys had surrendered. So they had not been as heroic um, as, you know, as depicted by the Ukrainian propaganda. They were surrendered and they were treated well. They were not all mowed down as yes. <laughs> the fake news. No, they were treated well and they surrendered. So so it kind of broke two two of the, the, the propaganda pieces. One, that the Russians are brutal and, you know, true that, uh, and the second point being that, you know, Ukrainian soldiers are immortal. Uh, brave heroes, um, all of them. Um, <laughs> right. So anyway, the for the 9th of May. Now, there's obviously like a lot of uh, competing ways of how this is being depicted. Yeah. So on the 9th of May, because of it being Victory Day and Putin having to make a speech, there was this is at least the Russian account of it was that the Ukrainians tried to take Snake Island, and yeah. um, you know they were repelled. So the numbers from the Russians are pretty like there's some pretty like big numbers. So they shot down, I think it's three SU-27s and two SU-25s, uh, like three MI-8s and one MI-24. So four helicopters, five planes, jets, and then a number of- Pretty boats. significant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then about 50 paratroopers. They say 50 paratroopers, elite commando sort of paratrooper, special forces basically uh -huh. were, were killed too. And they didn't take the island. Um, the Ukrainians say yeah. that no, it was the Russians who were hit uh, sorry, let me also add this. Also said they shot down a number of drones, BR2 drones, the Turkish yeah, yeah, drones. Yeah, yeah. The, the Turkish um, drones, that's right. Right, 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 right. Uh, I think if you watch Defense Politics Asia, you'll see that the, the Ukrainians claim that they showed footage from a BRT drone of an MI8 helicopter landing on Snake Island that get that then gets blown up. Um, so the problem yeah. with the footage is that the Russians and Ukrainians both use the same helicopters, and if it's a nighttime, like... Um, infrared feed you can't see like a uniform or anything that you just see a guy right or the, yeah, the right but if you watch the footage you'll see that they don't land on the helipad so there's a helipad on this island so bear in mind the the russians have already taken the island so there's footage of a nighttime landing uh they believe it's on this side of the island and then it's uh -huh. blown up um so defense politics asia's argument is that well there's a helipad over here why would you land in a field 
in like um they don't even land properly they they do it they jump they jump out the, the, the helicopter and drop boxes and um, like it's like a think like a, a paratrooper kind of insertion uh commando yeah. insertion kind, kind of thing so if yeah. you are defending the position yeah then why would you uh need to insert uh, insertion right exactly, exactly. so yeah. then it, it brings in the question if you're defending an island the only case that you would be using helicopters is to evacuate uh, 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 people. So that it should be going from the helipad, pad, taking off with people running yeah. in and moving away, right? right if that right, it was right. a Russian helicopter, because yeah. you know, Russia uh, has taken the island, like you said. Yeah. And um, yeah, so this uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And also, like, if you're in terms of defense, uh, especially like something like uh, of a small area, especially a small mm -hmm. island, mm -hmm. only the size of like a few apartment compounds, mm -hmm. uh, you don't need a lot of maneuver equipment. A few mm -hmm. like armored vehicles at most, that's all you need. You don't need helicopters. What, what you do need is uh, some sort of missiles, man uh, portable missiles. Uh, or uh, if you're talking about more long-range threats such as uh, warships or fighter jets, as the Ukrainians have sent, uh, then yeah, like uh, you, you need things to capture those. But besides that, you don't need to move around too much because uh, if you move around too much, you move into the water, you move off the island. You don't need that. If you're talking about you, if you want to destroy like torpedo boats, you can just like fire shoulder launch anti-tank uh, Concorde missiles off the island. If you're the Russians. Or uh, you could just like uh, have like a attack helicopter from like way back, but uh, yeah, like whatever it is, you don't need transport helicopters. To well, actually, let me, let me, I've got the video here, so I'm actually gonna play it for us because mm -hmm. there's no point talking about sure. it. We've got it here. So, this is the actual footage that the Ukrainians released. So, it's only a minute long, so we'll just watch it quickly. Yeah. So, there's your MR8, um, 8th of May, okay, so the day before May 9th, yes. victory day. There's your chopper. How much? Okay, so here we go. There's the strike. Okay. And then there's the guy. And the boom. Okay, yep. cool, yeah. There you go. Okay, cool. So I think obviously the strike that I think the rest of the footage is just burning. Um they don't yeah, so but the thing to note, right, is um it's very grainy footage, apologies, but you'll see that these guys that are jumping out, so the helicopter's not well, landing. Well you can't blame us for the uh, camera yeah. equipment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so the thing is, these guys are jumping out and then running. This guy here, you can see, is like in a prone position. So, yes. apparently, the Russians they've decided to land on the island that they have already got control and over shoot and themselves. Go straight away and shoot. And the Ukrainians say that they shot them, obviously, but um, and then go into prone, right? So, go into prone position. So, why would you you do that if you have the island? If there's no Ukrainians on the island, why yeah. would you go into a prone position? Um, but anyway, so, um. Their argument is that it's a BRT footage. The, 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 the feed is from their drone. Um, but mm -hmm. it's very common for your drones to watch your own troops landing anyway so that you have a, a live feed of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that, that's the Snake Island situation. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, that was a big PR attempt, apparently, by Ukrainian and <laughs> with their British and American generals to take Snake Island to insult Putin on Victory Day. That's at least the Russian version of events. And the Ukrainians say that they just blew up a Russian helicopter. That's yeah. all they say. Um, they deny everything else. Yeah. The other big story then we need to come on to, which we haven't mentioned, which is which is very important news, um, is the murder or the killing of the Palestinian yeah. is Al Jazeera journalist in, in Palestine, in the West Bank. Um, so yeah, they the, were uh, reporting, right? Uh, the journalist and the cameraman, uh, mm. they were both uh, shot by Israeli forces. Uh, the journalist mm -hmm. herself was uh, killed, and the cameraman was, you know, uh, wounded, but now in stable conditions in the hospital. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, they uh, are both uh, work for uh, Al Jazeera, the uh, Qataris. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Uh, news uh, uh, services, right? Uh, Al Jazeera is, uh, I mean, like they are uh, uh, anti-China, but uh, on a lot of things they are uh, rather neutral, right? That's why a lot of Western and just people all over the world uh, uh, audience likes to watch them because if you can be non-partisan and you know uh, neutral on 
some issues then that's you know good enough you know for for some yeah reporting, yeah right yeah and you know it's uh uh al jazeera stations in uh, uh in uh, various uh, cities uh, especially uh, in syria uh, has been blown up by uh, uh israeli fighter jets uh, uh before and yeah, uh, the ironic thing is that they share an office building just with every other media uh, office because that's pretty normal. You just, you know, everybody, you know, one in one place, safe costs, same equipment, whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, so uh, Voice of America also uses that office and Israel just uh, blows it up when, you know. Uh, th- this was like from two years ago, I, I believe, one or two years yeah. ago. So it's no, it was a year ago. It was a year ago. But Israelis uh, you know, yeah. doing you know, what the Israeli state uh, essentially do, continuing on its just fascist ra- uh, colonial rampage. You know, continuing to you know murder a journalist just like yeah, in yeah, yeah, like this yeah. whilst yeah. recording. Yeah. I think this is another knowledge excuse for that, right? Uh, this is another instance where the U.S. has its awkward bedfellows, uh, to put it lightly. We already know the famous story yeah. about the the journalist who worked for Washington Post, um, uh, the, the not Turkish, the Saudi, the Saudi journalist who was killed by the Saudis in the Turkish embassy. That was already a very awkward moment for the West or for the U.S. We always promotes you know free free media and free press and all these kinds of things. Now we've got their you know Israeli state, their their apartheid state that they pay for killing journalists which makes it extremely awkward for them again um but it, you know this is i i um this is just standard practice for the israeli apartheid forces like in yeah. if you ever watch the uh the film made by abby martin um palestine final what's it called uh, Empire what, what, yeah what's i forgot the name of the film but uh, gaza uh, gaza is burning or something uh, gaza, gaza burning yeah gaza on fire something like that but she documents uh, her Gaza on fire, yes. Gaza fire. A hundred, a hundred yeah. civilians, unarmed uh, civilians. Some of them are even paramedics. Some of the journalists. Some of them are children. There's a guy in a wheelchair. We're all yeah, shot. They had the vest press P R E S S on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is another heinous crime, allegedly. I mean, of course, the Israelis are denying it. They say they want to see the bullet. They say they can't confirm it. I mean, I'm sure they'll pop all sorts of smoke to try and make this difficult to 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 to, to point. Well, yeah, then like two years later, and they'll come out and say, "Oh, well, we they, did it," because that's like right, right, these right, kinds right, of right. things always end up. Yeah, uh, the Al Jazeera journalists were grilling the um, the the current press secretary of the White House. They were saying, you know, sort of, okay, well, are you going to let the Israelis investigate this? And and uh, the press secretary said, you know, okay, well, yeah, they're more than capable of investigating themselves, you know, <laughs> so. Um, they were yeah, the CIA up. conducts an investigation on the CIA, uh, which concludes yeah. that we have yeah. not done yeah. any. Uh, the, the criminals uh, have investigated themselves; they find themselves innocent. Um, yeah, yes. it's, it's it's a joke. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, real good thinking, right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Israel, the apartheid state, being the apartheid state, probably doing the same things. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's a shame that she's gone. Okay, so the next thing oh, we we'll to discuss so... was, yep. Yeah is uh diplomacy then uh yeah if we want to diplomacy well, uh, uh, yeah yeah let's start so, off uh, with uh, sweden and uh, finland wanting to join nato right 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 sweden and finland to join nato uh <laughs> you want to go first sure i mean uh it's uh you know uh, the whole ukrainian conflict started fundamentally uh, because of uh, NATO's uh, ceaseless uh, eastward expansion, mm-hmm. um, where uh, you know, uh, so like, there was uh, this uh, jokingly uh, this map of uh, how Iranian people see the world, right? And of all the nicknames of uh, the regions and chunks and countries of the world, uh, DPRK was called um, anti-imperialist missile launch pad. Which okay, like whatever. But if you are to join NATO, if you were to ally with America, wherever you are in the world, you are an imperialist missile launchpad. That's what you are. That's literally what you are. So, um, yeah, for uh, Finland and Sweden, and mind you, uh, Sweden, uh, ever since the 2016-ish, has been building up uh, its um, 
mechanized armored uh, modernized uh, uh, armored divisions uh, with the best uh, nordic uh, made uh, uh, infantry fighting vehicles in leopard 2a5 2a6 to some battle tanks etc 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 and they've been expanding the size of their armed forces uh, as well uh, they have a, a fairly solid um least into structure and uh, bureaucracy uh, not okay uh, at least in terms of structure and equipment-wise, uh, it's a fairly competent uh, force. It's been building up for six-plus years now, and uh, the situation in Finland is much the same, right? And Sweden and Finland, uh, in addition to the stuff that NATO does, always hosts uh, military exercises uh, between the two countries as basically one defense, a massive uh, okay, defense uh, 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 zone, uh, I mean, just last week, uh, there was uh, pictures of uh, BMT-2s, uh, Finnish BMT-2s and Leopard-2s uh, being uh, transported on train uh, trains right, in Finland. And it was rumored to be uh, uh, Finland sending uh, uh, forces onto the Russian border. But no, it was traveling westwards to exercise, do the a- annual exercise they have with Sweden. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for them to do this... Um, yeah, it's not good. I mean, I've already seen some stuff uh, in China about uh, Russia threatening a not special but technical military action uh, to 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 uh, counter uh, this, which I mm. find uh, quite interesting. Whatever that could mean. Right, 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 right. Uh, so just to clarify, uh, Finland is going to join NATO. I, I I think I might have misstated that. It's not um it's no longer um up mm. for like it's not like a, they might they they are speculation uh, right. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 been decided. So Finland is joining NATO. Um, Sweden is not yet, but they are. There's, there's a push for it right now. They're they're discussing it. I mean, bear in mind, it will still will take a year or two for them to be formally integrated. It can't just happen overnight. Um, but you mentioned there right. is already an exercise. So Finland is already doing joint exercises with um, NATO forces right now, as we speak. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that. Uh, I'd like I to just uh, interrupt for one moment. Our viewer, uh, our friend Cancer Box is saying, um, North Atlantic Terrorist Organization yes. must expand to protect fascism and uh, white supremacy. Uh, right, right, exactly. That one word uh, 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 everywhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's quite, that's, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm going to use it. I'm going to steal I, I that think, one and we're going to use it from now on. Right, right. I think that we'll only all have peace and we'll only ever be safe once New Zealand has joined the North Atlantic uh, Treaty Organization or North Atlantic Terrorist Organization. Um, you know, that, that's the only yes. way that we can have peace and safety in the world is when NATO, when everyone is a part of yes. NATO, except for, you know, Russia and China, maybe. I don't know. That's the peace only way. Peace all times. Okay, I'm sorry. That, that's a Chamberlain joke. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, peace in our time, right. So, um I, I yeah I I think we've already discussed this before I think in terms of Finland and and NATO and Sweden you know do you really want to agitate Russia like surely is this worse than the Cold War is that apparently the, the case because Finland was never part of NATO before this point so apparently Finland thinks that right now Russia well, is more dangerous and there's more tension. What the Russians the call uh, Saint Petersburg, and what us uh, communists will forever remain as Leningrad will. Uh... <laughs> You Aryan terrorist organization. Good one. Um, uh, will, uh, yeah, Leningrad will once again be under threat. You know, uh, the, uh, like the, uh, I mean, Finland was like the uh, logistical and heavy lifter uh, behind like what helped be- to besiege the people of Leningrad and like starve millions of Leningrad uh, Soviet people to death. Uh, 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 for like however a like hundred, two hundred plus days, however many that siege of Leningrad lasted, right? So right. yeah, it's you know uh, this is probably uh, I won't say it's going to happen happen again, but yeah. from an operational to strategic level, like that's basically what that is. It might as well happen. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do want to answer. So we had a, a question from um, a viewer, uh, a comment. Mm-hmm. About Sri Lanka, which we didn't have in our schedule, which which we should actually have had in our schedule. Um, the things that I do know about Sri Lanka was that they gave an order to shoot at protesters uh, with live ammunition, um, 
who were you know damaging public property or doing whatever that would 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 sanction that but the 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 the, the, the rule right. to fire you know live fire to shoot protesters was given this week in sri lanka so the situation there is actually deteriorating mm. i would say um i know that I there was a resignation again if i'm not mistaken it was the prime minister uh resigned let me take a look here quickly uh yeah because there's, there's been a new prime minister appointed um on the 11th let me just check here quickly yeah um yeah uh they've appointed gotabaya raja paksa so i'll just share this with you guys so we can discuss it um mm -hmm. as the um basically I, I would call an interim prime minister right as a, or a new prime minister but you know with the economic crisis with the protests going on i, I think this is not a permanent role so who's this guy gotabaya raja paksa he is a veteran politician according to the according to the bbc um senior opposition he's an op uh yeah, and the senior opposition MP as well was sworn to lead a proposed mm. party government. The move came after the president ignored calls to resign and vowed to restore order in a national address. Uh, nine people have been killed and 200 injured in unrest since his brother resigned as prime minister on Monday. Uh, during his nationwide address, Mr. Rajapaksa said he would appoint a new prime minister who commanded the majority of support in parliament as well as a new cabinet. So the cabinet is still not, um, you know, it's gone. They all resigned uh, three weeks ago. Um, so, Mr. Wickre Missing has been on Sri Lanka's political scene for decades. This will be his sixth stint as Prime Minister, although he's never seen out a full term. So that's pretty. That's always. It's never a good sign when you have people who serve multiple <laughs> stints as a Prime Minister and then never um, actually finish a full term. That's um, that is a sign of, of, of political instability. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that, that's right. Oh, good God. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, um, let's hope that, um, yeah, the, the situation. I mean, it's definitely, I would say, in uh, not just China's interest, but the entire ASEAN and uh, RCEP trade blocks' interest to stabilize Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, uh, uh, let's hope that uh, it can be stabilized because, like, yeah. actually, this is a good segue to uh, our final kind of big topic, which is the policy, sure. right? Yeah. In times of, because foundation and superstructure, in terms of superstructure, uh, as Mark said, it retroactively acts back onto the foundation uh, because it is a dialectic, right? Um, in times of uh, material crises, uh, you must, uh, as a society, no matter at what scale you're talking about, use your conceptions to change conceptions to retroactively stabilize uh the deteriorating material situation using labor that's you know one of the huge reasons why labor a uh, human effort is uh, such an important thing doesn't matter where you go uh, in the world you know so uh then essentially if this situation is not stabilized through cooperation and diplomacy of uh, multiple countries doesn't even necessarily ma I, uh, like matter uh, what your ideology is like as long as you're for stability and for progress you should stabilize it now before it uh expands like geometrically right one two four eight uh, 1632 instead of one two three four five right uh to uh, stabilize it now before it gets out of control so that it becomes a domino effect where um it, it, the, the dominoes, uh, one smaller piece of domino of uh, instability and starvation and chaos uh, uh, tips over a bigger piece and then becomes a, a chaotic uh, kind of scarcity domino, if you want to call it that, to uh, knock over bigger and bigger piece. Until then, like the whole world, you know, bites the dust. Um, that is what must be done uh, for the interest of humanity. I don't care what political ideology you are, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is indeed what we saw happening, right? Essentially, with uh, everybody, with the exception of imperialists, has been making these kinds of calls. So let's start off with the Americas. So every year around uh, June, uh, early to mid June, I believe, uh, don't, uh, yeah, it happens in June, there is like the summit of the Americas that happens in uh, mm. Los Angeles, United States. Mm -hmm where uh, all the countries of North and South America, uh, uh, well, mainly South America, uh, meets up and um, talks, just, just hold, it's just it's a summit, right? They, they talk. Mm -hmm. So then historically, well, all the three socialist uh, places, uh, Cuba, uh, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. Nicaragua. 
uh, have uh, always been uh, excluded from this, and so it is no different this year. But uh, the president, uh, president of Mexico, has uh, sent, uh, you know visited uh, Cuba mm. and deliberately openly said on open air that no uh, nation, no American, uh, like the continent, America uh, nation, should be excluded uh, from uh, uh, economic uh, uh, this kind of like trade zone kind of deal. Uh, mm. Yeah, because if you know, if you don't have fundamentally. If you run out of a really critical item, a, a, a fundamental commodity, such as food uh, or energy uh, or water in, in one place, okay, maybe less so water, you need to be able to buy it from somewhere else. You need to be immediately be able to replace your supplier, the supply chain, to another backup option that is available to you so that your people doesn't feel any uh, uh, effect. And people uh, like feeling effect means uh, starving. That's what that means. Um, so then, if everyone can do this, then yeah, like that's a good thing. This is the validity behind, you know, uh, uh, like why there should be a global economy. Why autarky, which is oh, I produce everything that I will ever need. Like why why it doesn't quite work, right? Uh, even mm-hmm. socialism, in the, even under socialism, there's still like economic trade blocks. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's the first thing. And then we, uh, I mean, the whole RCEP in Asia is supposed to be that. And uh, hopefully, uh, that's why I say, like, hopefully the entire RCEP zone can do something. Uh, yeah. Which, um, yeah, so under this kind of situation, we're seeing, like, essentially, you know, every country politically and economically uh, doing exactly what I was describing, switching its partners in a more uh, 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 so that uh, both political and uh, material uh, 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 access is uh, more readily available to keep the whole thing going, right? Mm-hmm. So then what we're seeing is, uh, you know, uh, so first we have a Syrian president, uh, uh, Assad, uh, Bashar, uh, talking to uh, Iranian leaders, uh, basically yep. uh, stating that, um, you know, they will resist American imperialism together and uh, therefore peace and stabilize the situation uh, so that there can be development, which is obviously needed because all the infrastructure of Syria was uh, destroyed in the U.S. Turkey caused a civil war that, um, you know, uh, needs to be replaced by mm-hmm. things like construction contractors, you know, uh, uh, people to lay down, you know, pipeline sewage to re- to get you know bulldozers to get rid of rubbles. That's the kind of stuff you need in Syria. Not more guns, not more bombs, you know. Right. And right. Then, then we've also yeah, got a uh, meeting between Macron and Xi as well. Yeah, uh Macron is uh, very is very interesting. Right. Um he kind of represents the other side of uh Europe's uh 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 interest. So uh, one on the one hand, Europe is finance capital, global imperialism, colonizing the people of Africa, Eastern Europe, and all over the world. Right? Uh, Fran- France still has a colony in South America. Yeah. Case in point. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, Europe is uh, also has a kind of um, uh, role as an indigenous uh, uh, civilization because you know French people came from you know the, the Frank people of France. And there is like uh, uh, you know the indigenous Germanic people, and you know uh, for all various places in Europe. So uh, Macron kind of represents that like continental uh, uh, side of Europe, where its interest is clearly more based in things that a lot other uh, a lot of other indigenous uh, countries such as uh, China uh, uh, wants, yeah. which is a stability, a good. Economy. Economy and growth and uh, mm. development, right? Uh, so you know this uh, has made Macron, uh, yeah. So like he just got reelected president, right? And mm. first uh, one of the major uh, diplomatic calls that phone calls, uh, as you do, you know, when you get reelected president, you call or you ring up all the intent important partners to uh, work out like what like your presidency mm. is going to be like, mm. like what mm-hmm. concerning them. 
whoever them they mm. are, like which country it is. Mm. So well, mm-hmm. the, what, what, what did who did he call President Xi Jinping of China? Mm-hmm. So essentially, this um, to combine day has already three times now. Oh, each one of them is like minimum of like three hours, upwards of nine hours of, of, of a phone call. And nobody knows what they said. Mm-hmm. Russia released like a very little transcript. France just straight up doesn't release a transcript of a call ever. Um, Yeah, so like this has made your uh, EU liberal finance capital uh, imperialists, really, the left wing of imperialism uh, uh, people, Really, really uh, uh, suspicious of uh, uh, Macron, right? Um, right. So, well, mm. yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation where you see na- nations who have um, kind of this desire for like being indigenous, being stable in your own like home, uh, basically immediately are able to be fairly rational. And work out a, mm-hmm. a, a, the, the beginnings to what is a new economic uh, and a political uh, zone coexistence and or alliance uh, with one another in this uh, uh, kind of mm, uh, crisis where uh, there is uh, decreasing demand and decreasing supply at, at simultaneously, right? Of all sorts mm-hmm. of commodities right now, mm-hmm. which is primarily food and energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, for the on Macron, um, he's just elected, just been re-elected. Sorry, um, you know, Angela Merkel has only recently stepped out. So I think if you consider his role over the last two terms, the two terms that he had, um, he and her were kind of seen as this sort of European power couple, if you want to use that terminology. Um, you know, this sure. I, I, I do that. And if you consider his role in the early parts in February before the conflict kicked off in Ukraine, he was shuttling around to Turkey, to Russia, to Ukraine, to everywhere to try and be this um, sort of global statesman. So I do think that this is, you know, this is how he wants to be seen is as a global statesman. So phone calls to Xi, phone calls to Putin, phone calls to Zelensky. Um, I think he tries, he is trying to sort of create that image of himself and also place France in that place um i think that you know the, within the eu you do have that competing relationship between france and germany now that the uk is out um the, those are the two dominant you know sort of states um and financial centers and sort of economies in the eu so um i think he's trying to sort of carve out and, and secure that position I, I mean there's nothing particularly also surprising i mean a phone call to she um they want to re- maintain trade they want to maintain you know investment uh, bilateral yeah. stuff um yeah and then i think he, he, he in all fairness he is you know france is sort of imperialist country it has the it controls uh the monetary system yeah, of western they, africa yeah. the, the franc is is still pretty much in the hands of the, of the french and they still inadvertently yeah. if you think about uh burkina Faso, like you know the murder of, of thomas sankara the yeah. french most definitely french intelligence and french uh you know security services definitely i i, I have no doubt played some role in that but um you know, all these things aside, um, I guess Macron has played an important role in being able to try and be a bridge between um, the West and Russia, yeah. uh, which I suppose if we That's don't correct. want this conflict to go on between Ukraine and Russia, then that is an important thing for peace, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's still an imperialist country, still has, still represents that collective West, as some people refer to it as. Um, yeah, yeah I, we have to we have to close now. We've finished, but I don't know if you have any final thoughts, yes. Jen, before we finish. No, yeah. that's it. <laughs> okay, cool. So we'll be back um, next next week, and we'll be covering the same headlines. Mm-hmm. If you have anything else that you would like us to investigate, to discuss, to bring up, um, then please comment and just send us a message as well. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Okay. We'll have to cover that one next week. They cancel box. I'm not sure. Uh, assassination attempt in Romania. Okay. Well, what a name! Know. It's it's yes. always fun to read that out on the street. <laughs> Sorry, cancel box. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay, we'll be back next week, guys. And yeah, please do uh, like if you haven't liked, subscribe, notification bells. Uh, please hit all of that, and we'll be back next week. So we'll see you then. Thank you very much.
Take care. Bye. And that is it for this episode of the Marxist Think Tank. Catch us every other week here on SoundCloud. To allow us for our reporting and our content to remain independent, please consider donating to our Patreon and becoming a voting member in the link down below in the description. If you have a news tip or would like to talk to us, please email admin at marxistthinktank.org. Our editor is Sean Sanchez. News writer and producer is Reggie Truman. And I'm Oscar Bastille. Thank you for listening.